Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Steve Bigu, Head of Education at Christian Concern. Steve Bigu, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you, it's great to be here. When did you come to faith? When I, when I look, think back, there was a key moment when I was seven years old. Um, what happened was my, my mum was very keen to take me to the local Baptist church, a very small Baptist church in the middle of a Oxfordshire village. And my father, who's, who's a Hindu, um, he was very happy for me to, to go along with my mum to this church. What happened was that the, uh, the person who was leading the, the session that, that day said, um, I don't know, children, if any of you would be interested in uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And lo and behold, as I was standing there praying to Jesus, I started to feel the sense of I wanted to speak out in a, in a tongue. And I started to go, And um, that very same tongue that I had then, I was singing in in the car, even the way, <laughs> way down here today. It was a very powerful moment for me. Now, your, your life has been a life uh, with education. What led you from university into the field of education? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, when I was 17, 18 years old, I really didn't know what it was that I should do as a career, and I wasn't too worried about it. Um, but as I, as I prayed about it, I felt I really loved spending time explaining things to people, and I really enjoyed spending time with kids. And to be a teacher seemed a very natural, what a wonderful thing to be able to do that all day, every day. So I, after I finished my biology degree at Southampton University, I went on to, to do my teacher training and then work in a whole variety of schools. And all the time thinking, this is something that God wants me to be doing. And how, how does my faith, how does my love for Jesus Christ impact these precious children that I'm ministering to, not just teaching? Teaching is a vocation. And vocation means it's a, something that's called out to you to do. And I really believe that that's what God had called to me to do. So I had all sorts of adventures trying to, to see how, how do you break into what I'm doing in, in school life. And um, what, one great story, if, if I could just kind of, of digress a little bit into that, would be when I was teaching religious education, I would take the opportunity to talk about Christian faith, because again, in the UK, we're from a Christian heritage um, and talk a lot about the Christian faith. And in one session, I would speak about the Holy Spirit. And so, so, you know, from my early experiences of, of God, the Holy Spirit has been a really important thing to me. So when explaining about the Holy Spirit, I would encourage them to, to, to think about how God breaks in and that God speaks even today through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so even in classes with, with Muslims or pagan children or um, all sorts of different backgrounds, I would do things where I would explain to them the Christian belief, explain that Christians believe that God is real, speaks through, through the word, through, his, through the Bible. And I'd encourage them just us all to pray and to, to write down something that we think would be an encouragement from God to the other children in the classroom. Um, and, and so why don't we believe that God might actually want to, to speak to all of us today, because this is what Christians believe, through his Holy Spirit and through us. So I'd get them to, to write things down on pieces of paper. And then what I'd do is I'd, I'd put them in a, in a hat or a box and get the children to pray again and believe that whichever one they picked out would be a really good thing for them. And I saw God do some remarkable things in those kinds of lessons. For example, one, one girl who was extremely sad um, came into this lesson because her hamster had died and she was really 
distressed about this. Um, and her parents were also in the middle of a, a divorce. And as I went into this lesson, I, I kind of knew the different circumstances of the different children. And one of the, the children in the class didn't really understand what we were doing. I explained it all, but I explained it as best as I could. And what, what this girl thought she was going to do was actually write something to a specific person in the class and write down a message to them. And so she wrote down, we'll call her Jane, this, this girl, Dear Jane, I'm, I'm so sad, I, I'm sad that your hamster has died, but your hamster is in heaven and everything is going to be all right. And wrote that message, folded it up and put it in the box. So when it came to the moment of me shaking all these things up, this, this girl looked a little bit confused as to quite what was going on, the one that had written it. But of course, in the moment of me praying and saying, children, I want you to believe that God's going to say something to you. Young, young Jane comes up and guess which piece of paper she just <laughs> happens to pick out of the whole class's box. What was her reaction? Well, well, I've just said to them, OK, just open it now and believe that God's going to say something to you specifically um, through his Holy Spirit. She opens it up and it says directly to her, dear Jane, I know that your hamster has died. Don't worry, she's in heaven and everything's going to be all right. And so she starts weeping in the class, really touched by what God has done. Um, and I, I could tell you other stories of how God's broken in. And this is just in, in kind of state school um, settings where I'd been trusted because they got to know me. They got to know I was a safe sure. pair of fans. The parents trusted me. And they knew I would talk about Christian faith in a, in a balanced way and talk about other faiths as well. Um, not overly push things, but try and give the Lord the opportunity to break in with what he would want to do because he loves breaking into the lives of children. And he obviously did. Now, over the years, Steve, you've held different positions in education. Just tell us what different positions have you held? So I was a a deputy head in the state school for a good period of time. Um, Been a primary school teacher. I've worked briefly in a a special school. Um, I ran a a preschool, which I started from scratch in the town where I was a church pastor for, for 10 years. Um, more recently, I'm, I've been the principal of the King's School in Whitney, which is a great independent Christian school. Um, and I am now also the CEO of the Christian Schools Trust. Uh, but the role that I is my kind of full time work now is for Christian Concern as the head of education there. So a lot of the experiences that I'm, I'm pulling from are being very, very helpful working in the organisation of Christian Concern because a lot of issues to do with education come into our organisation. Uh, are there any uh, facts? statistics that you can give us that are available? Definitely. Um, the, the statistics at the moment basically show that if you're a Christian parent, if you're Christian parents with your children at home, you have a 50-50 chance. I don't like to use the word chance, but no, there's a 50-50 opportunity. Opportunity. Maybe yes. let's use that one of your children following in your footsteps of wanting to carry on with your, your Christian faith. The British Only 50-50. 50-50. So, I mean, the Care for the Family guys, they, what they suggest you do is you, you think of the children in your church community and you, you, you kind of have pictures of them there and you cross off half of them. And you just imagine that for a moment and recognise that whatever it is that we're doing now in the Christian church, certainly in the UK, it's only helping half of our children to be able to carry on in the Christian faith so, later so, on. So just absorbing that, Steve, everything we're doing... Everything that we're investing, yeah. both at home and in the church, 50% of them will give up the Christian faith. That is what the statistics are showing at the moment. That's like heartbreaking. It is. And the question comes, why? Why is that? What's, what's happening there? And again, what, what you discover is that the British Social Attitudes um, study shows that the 
the parents are unable to be able to pass their faith onto their children in a way that seems real. And the, the authenticity of the parents' faith is a real, really key aspect to that. Um, and living that out in front of your children is supposed to really have a significant difference in helping our children to be able to follow in the Christian faith. But also as a community as a whole, as we work together to, to represent Christ to our children um, in authentic ways that demonstrate that we care about the Bible, that we care about reaching out to our next door neighbours, that we, that we want to be praying about any and every situation. As we live that out to our children, that really helps them to build a foundation of faith that will be something that will, that will last. Of course, there's the grace of God and there's, a, there's the sovereignty of God in all these kinds of things and our children will make choices themselves. But there are things that we can do that will help them. And one of the, one of the key areas that we've discovered is that as parents work together and maybe uh, work together in home education or work together in independent Christian schools, the numbers completely shift to more like 80 to 90% of them seem to be able to carry the Christian faith on into, into their young adulthood, into their, into their 30s and 40s. And there's some great research that is showing that, that's across the world, that demonstrates that when parents are really focused on passing on their Christian faith to their children, that this can actually happen. Again, there's no guarantees that, that the verse that says, train up a child in the way they sure. should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. It's not a guarantee. It's those kind of, those sure. truths that are fundamental truths. But the faith appears to be preserved. Yes, that's right. You know, so, so going back, you know, the majority of the children in our own nation are in state education. That's right. Okay, so you've got three factors. You've got state education, you've got family education, and you've got the church. Yes. Okay, so what's going on in each of those three? It's really interesting that you put it in terms of those three because I've often thought about it as a three-legged stool. And if these three are able to connect and work together well, then you get a great foundation, a, a stable foundation for children's faith to be able to grow. And where I've seen churches and parents and school working together, you get this kind of level of Christian faith being passed on. This is what you see right from, from Deuteronomy and through the scriptures, that the family and the community is working together to pass on the faith. Deuteronomy 6 has got those incredible passages that uh, speak about love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And we often quote those, as those things that Jesus quoted, but it's all in the context of and pass this on to your children and impress these things on your children. Community, parents with a key role, but hero Israel, it's saying, when you go into the promised land, don't just get busy with making your new houses and uh, living in the land. Make sure that these commandments that I give you today are on your hearts and you're passing them on to your children. And what we see is that, that I, I believe the church and families and schools have slipped away from that understanding of the responsibility to pass the Christian faith on to our children. And um, we, can, we can all play our own little part in it, but if we can connect up and join that up so that we're working together to be able to pass on Christian faith, then you get a really strong foundation in our children so that they can make those decisions for themselves, but informed by the fact that they've experienced people who've got a real relationship with Jesus Christ, who they've experienced, and they, they want to model and, and be like. Okay, we, we obviously have influence yes. at home and in the church. Okay, so if we look at those two first, mm. okay, in the home, okay, what kind of things are we doing wrong and what should we be doing? I was speaking to an academic from the States, um, Dr. Brian Ray, recently, and he was 
we were talking about some of the statistics and some of the recent research. And his reflection to me is, I just feel like Christian parents in our day and age are lazy. And I, I reflected on that and I said, I don't think it's that they're generally lazy. I think it's that they are busy. Yes. And I think the busyness of life and the rushing around to keep up with the size of houses and cars and just keep up with life in general has distracted us from investing our time and energy and finances in our children and actually spending time talking to our children about what the Bible says, um, talking about how we ourselves are seeking to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ with our children, talking about our failures, apologising to our children when we get things wrong and praying together with our children about the mistakes that we're making because we're seeking to follow Jesus Christ in an imperfect way, but we're still seeking to follow him. Living out this takes time and communication and and it's not just something you can plan in in your diary like you might plan in another appointment. It's got to be a part of your life. And that, that's something I, I've really wrestled with. I've been a busy church leader. I've been a busy teacher. I've been a busy... <laughs> busy principal of a Christian school and I have to keep on wrestling with these issues myself. So how, am I spending the kind of time with my children reflecting on on what the Lord is saying with them? I had a great moment coming before coming here before coming here um, this morning. I said to my daughter, would, would you pray for me, my nine year old daughter, because I'm, I'm going to be coming on facing the cannon. Yes. And um, she prayed a prayer and said, and I just think, Daddy, you should just go on there and, and sow seeds. And the day before I'd been on a call with um, Mike Beaumont, where yes. Mike Beaumont had said to me, I'd love to pray for you for your going on facing the yeah. cannon. And his prayer was, I think you should go on, go on there, Stephen. Just feel free to sow seeds out there. Yeah. So I was engaging my daughter in something where she was discovering she could hear God. She was also praying for her dad and um, engaging with me in something that was actually important to me to do well. Um, and that kind of engagement with our children in our lives and in our faith really shows them that this faith is a real thing. It's not just a bolt-on Sunday thing yes. where you might get half an hour with a glass of orange squash and half a broken custard cream yes. and you might get told a Bible story. This is actually something that's a part of our life. We love the Lord Jesus and we know that he wants to break into our lives and, and guide us and, and lead us. So the, I mean, the challenge, Steve, for parents is mm. the example that we're setting for our children. It's a challenge for me. Yes. It's a challenge mm. for us all, isn't mm. it? Um, so it's not just what we say, it's, it's how we live, isn't it? Yes. It's incarnational yes. evangelism. Yes. And, I, and I, I very much think, I mean, the evangelism bit is, is, is very interesting. What does it mean to evangelise to children? <laughs> Can we, yeah. do, what do we do? Do we have to make them pray a prayer to, to kind of cross a line? Is it a process? I very much think it's a process. I mean, my own story would say there's a process of being invited at various points to make a choice to keep on following Jesus. And that choice kind of becomes more and more firm and serious the, the older we get. Um, and again, for me, there was a key moment when I was 13. I know when I chose to be, to be baptised, and then, but I knew that when I was 18, that was really a moment where I could have just gone down the bar and got the cheap booze. 70 yes. a point it was when I was at university. Yes. It was, I could have just gone in a different direction, but, but, but something had been sown in me that I'd made those choices over, over that period of time that meant I was able to make that choice to follow Jesus Christ again when I was 18 and again when I was 21 and again at various other points. I know. Um, but, but like you said, you, when you got baptised, that was a decision that you made was, yeah. of surrender. Yes. But we have to keep doing that, yes. don't we? Yes. It's like your wilderness experience maybe came at 18 and then at 21. Yes. And um, yes. we have to keep on surrendering. That's absolutely right. I really believe that. Yeah. So 
of course, we, we need to do what we can. And a lot of parents, I mean, we, we really do have to say thank you to many parents during Absolutely. lockdown yeah. who've done their best yes. when it comes to education. Yes. And, and it hasn't been easy. It's been extremely difficult. It's been extremely difficult for parents. It's been extremely difficult for for teachers as well, trying to, to support online learning and also to, to have the children back in with all the COVID regulations. Um, it's been an extremely difficult pandemic period. And um, I think we have to, to thank parents and thank teachers sure. for all the work that they've been doing with their children. Um, and also thank churches. Churches have, have often been bending over backwards to try and deliver youth groups and children's work to, to keep that going. And that's been a lifeline for so many children who've been struggling with mental health challenges of feeling locked up and separated. So there's been so much, so many good things that have been going on from ch- the church and other Christian organisations that have really supported and helped children over this this, Absolutely. Pe- this period. So, Steve, in the family, you know, uh, we have to be more intentional in what we're doing to help our children. Yes. Now, the church. OK, what do we what could we be doing better? Yes. Well, I think investment is a really interesting question because quite often in our churches, 25 percent of them can be under 18. And so. What we often do, though, is we invest maybe two or three percent of the church's finances in, in investing in our children and what's going on for our children when they are actually the most responsive age group to the gospel. Yes. On average, the 80 um, percent of people who've made a decision in this country made it before they were 18. And at the moment, um, it's, it would be right to say that 13 would be the average age that people are saying, who say they're Christians today in our churches, that that was the age at which they made that, that decision. And yet that a large amount of our time and our resources from the church uh, go to reaching out. Of course, we should reach out to everybody. I mean, I, I used to run um, a community centre where we had multiple toddler groups, but also multiple groups for over 50s um, and all sorts of groups for teenagers, all sorts of different groups that we were running from there and reaching out to our friends and doing men's and beer and Skittles things. So we must reach out all over the place. But the, the main time, the main time window when people are responsive to the gospel in a way that will lead them to be a disciple of Jesus Christ long into the, the rest of their life is before they're 18. So I think the key thing that churches need to think about is are we investing in this area? Or is it just a kind of bolt-on thing where we yes. just try and get a few volunteers? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a key one. The other thing is we need to be praying together for our for our children, and all of us can be engaged in that. All of us praying that our children and young people are able to stand against some of the challenges that they face, so that they're able to find a vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and I and I've been very excited to to network with groups that are wanting to start new independent Christian schools from churches. There seems to be a, a waking up to this and a, an understanding that the church has always invested in education and has always historically been involved in planting not just churches, yes. but in planting churches with schools. And this has kind of been lost to, to us in the UK, particularly, I think, where we've come to swallow the lie that the state educates our children and we take them to church. Whereas actually the Christian gospel is all about a life education where we're impressing this faith on our children from a from a young age and the church has always been investing and involved in that and it's the state's quite late to the party really in this kind of area so you've got the family you've got the church uh, and then you've got school um, and of course 
they end up spending a significant amount of time. Wow, 30 hours a week? Yes, that's quite a lot. You know, whereas the average time in a church... Maybe 45 minutes of Sunday school time for those children. Yeah, Yeah. so there's no match. Yeah. And what are the concerns at the moment that, you know, you've been a teacher, you've been a principal, uh, you've read research. What are your concerns I think it's it's really interesting how if we look at the mental health issues that we're seeing in children and young people, when the when YouGov in 2018 did a, a survey, they discovered that around about one in four, one in five, let's say one in five children uh, would say that they don't think life has a purpose. That those kinds of stats really are quite disturbing. Um, and so actually understanding that I am created, I am created for a purpose. I have a loving Heavenly Father who loves me, has got an incredible plan for my life. And I'm a sinner and I messed up, but God can rescue me out yeah. of that. Understanding creation and fall and redemption and the incredible future that isn't just for this life. It's for eternity and a new heavens and a new earth. Understanding this kind of story it's what our children really need, because the stories they're being told about what life is about and where identity comes from aren't the Christian gospel. They're not the Christian story. And so if we can really communicate this story well to our children, our children will have that sense of purpose that won't cause them to have suicidal, self-harming thoughts. Um, the kinds of issues that we see generally are there in the disease of society. And so we really pray that that our children and our churches are able to communicate well the Christian gospel to our children, the whole story that they can be a part of. Um, what a wonderful thing to be able to express to our children, to pass on to them, to explain to them, and to get them enthused and excited about, and to teach them from a young age. How do we, Steve, filter out uh, toxic influences that mm, permeate yeah. the whole of society? That's a, that's a really good question. One of the things that I think is really important is to recognise we can't hide from it all. <laughs> we can't just separate ourselves in a way that completely isolates us from what's going on in society around us. But at the same time, we have to recognise that children are vulnerable and they are sponges soaking up what's going on around them. So we do have to put careful barriers around, protective barriers around social media, about things that they watch, about understanding what's going on with their peers, understanding what's going on in their schools, and put the barriers that we need to, but also commentate on what is happening in society and and what is going on. Um, I would often commentate with my children when watching television if adverts came on, talking about how consumerism was trying to catch them and grab them and say, can you see that they're telling you your life will change if you buy this bar of soap? That's ludicrous, isn't it? And just trying to un- unpick the lies yes. that are going on in society, yes. communicate with them, commentate on it, I, I call it. That helps to, to help them recognise, oh, we don't just soak up everything that's coming into us from society through the TV, through our mobile phones. Keep the mobile phones away for as long as you can. Absolutely. <laughs> I would suggest. But then when you give them to them, train them how to use them because they are an important and valuable tool at the ages of maybe 13, 14 years old. So there's a certain protectiveness, but there's also a certain wisdom in how to train our children to use what there is in society, but also commentate on the negativity and the, the ideologies and things that are trying to also encapture our children. 
I mean, we we filter our water. We filter <laughs> so many things, we do. don't we?、Mm. And yet we don't filter what's permeating. Yes. Um, ideas and thoughts、yes. in our society,、yes. and that is so important to、It、do.、Is. It's true. Now, you, you,、um, at Christian Concern, you have resources. Can you、We、tell、do? us about the resources that you've got? Yes.、Uh, for example, there's this、uh, magazine, The Ambassador. What's this?、Tell、yes. So about that, Steve.、Uh, this has come out this year, and it's、uh, it highlights all the work that Christian Concern is doing. Some of the key. Cases that we're involved in, there's, there's quite a big bit on me in there. I'd have to be honest. Yes. <laughs> and that's about the education side of the work that we're doing. And so, if you were to to contact Christian Concern at our website, which might well appear on screen, I don't know. It、um, will. <laughs> then you can discover about a whole variety of the work that Christian Concern is doing, and particularly find out about what's going on in education. If you were to tell us just one thing that we need to take hold of. Uh, what would that one thing be, Steve? The thing that comes to mind is prayer, because we can work so hard in so many different ways, but unless God breaks in and does things, <laughs> unless the Lord builds the house, the labourers labour in vain. And I, I, I do have genuinely con- genuine concerns for our children of our society, and I look at it and I think, no matter how much of an elbow I can be. I can do so little, and yet I know that with my five loaves and two fish, God can do so much. And as we as we pray to Him about the children of our nation, the children in our churches, as we pray to Him, He will give us solutions and answers. He will give us the the courage that we need to homeschool, set up new schools, influence the schools where our children are. As we pray to Him and call out to Him for His resources and His His ability and His passion. For children, he said, "Let the little children come to me." As we pray to him about that, we can see a change, and maybe this is the seedbed of revival for our nation—that our nation will be turned more and more to Jesus Christ. That the nations of this world will be turned more and more to Jesus Christ, as we see generation after generation being discipled as as the Lord wants. So, the one thing, can we pray together, church, parents, schools, Christians, wherever you are? Can we pray together for our children, for our young people? Um, that can make a huge difference. Would you pray for us now? But I'd be delighted. Thank to. you. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we call out to you, Heavenly Father, for the children of our nations, of our world. We call out to you for our own children, and we say, Lord, would you guide us? Would you lead us so that we can? Demonstrate and explain the gospel to them—the wonderful story of your creation of us. And even though we're fallen, that we can be rescued and saved by you. May we explain this well to our children and our young people. Guide us in this and give us the energy and capacity to take courageous steps to stop being busy and rushing around, and to focus and think about these precious, precious children that you've given to us. I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, our Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Steve, thank you so much. We really need to hear your voice、um, for a time such as this. Thank you, Steve, for joining us on Facing the Canon. Thank you so much, Jadon. Well, that was、uh, really challenging and inspiring, and、uh, let's. Pick up that challenge that Steve gave us to pray 
uh, for our children, uh, to pray for our grandchildren, to pray for uh, this emerging generation, uh, to rise up knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media.